0: Good morning, Emmaus. How's everybody doing today? All right, that's good, man. It is good to be with y'all. My name is Travis. I am one of the pastors here. Uh, and if it is your first time, we are so glad you're here. You found us uh, in the middle of a series walking verse by verse through the book of Exodus. We're going to continue with that today. We're going to build off of what Pastor Brian uh, did last week, where, where he taught through the first half of chapter 16. We're going to finish that off. And as Pastor Brian mentioned at the beginning of his sermon, uh, the Lord is using this time of the Israelites. So they they were in Egypt of slaves. God has freed them from that, and He's leading them through the wilderness towards the promised land. And He's using this as an opportunity to teach His people. So you were slaves in Egypt. Now you're my people, and here's how you're going to live as my people. And it's all building towards what we're going to see and the giving of the law. That's what the law is all about, is how God's people are to interact and have a relationship with him. So he's using this time to teach and mold his people. We're going to see him teaching his people yet another thing this week. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Exodus chapter 16. We're going to be hanging out in verses 22 through the end of the chapter. That's verse 36. And this week, God is going to be teaching His people how He wants them to orient their schedule, how He wants them to use their time. And what we see in this passage, uh, this is where God teaches His people for the first time the importance and the necessity of Sabbath. Sabbath, that's where we're going to be going today. And what God is trying to show His people, the Israelites, and by extension, us today, is we're not made to keep going and going and going. We're not made to go nonstop as much as we try to do that. We are made and designed by God to stop, to stop. And what we're gonna see in this passage is that God actually forces his people to stop we all have these moments in our lives where, where just everything seems to stop around us, right? Like it's just everything comes to a crashing halt and you're like, whoa, something just happened and this is going to define what we do for the rest of the day. So for us, it was uh, Friday morning, we wake up, We you know, the kids go in their bathroom and we look up and there is a big water spot on the ceiling in our kids' bathroom. And, you know, automatically my mind's like, it just rained that night really bad, and now our roof is leaking, and I'm going to have to spend thousands of dollars and get a new roof. This is terrible. So we're we're losing it, all right? We are like, oh, this is like worst case scenario. It stops everything. Everything that we had planned that morning has now stopped, and we have to figure this out. So I'm going up in the attic. The kids are trying to climb up the ladder while I'm yelling, no, don't come up here. It's too dangerous. And they're laughing. I think it's hilarious that they're not listening to us, which is a lot of fun. But anyways, I get up there, and I finally figured out, okay, the roof isn't leaking. Praise the Lord. It's coming from our AC unit you know, still not the best thing, but not absolute worst case scenario. So anyways, you know, we shut it off. I'm um, like moving the insulation in our attic to like try to get everything to dry out, to not cause any more damage. Thankfully, was an issue, just a clog pipe that spilled out and, and water went everywhere in our attic overnight. Uh, AC company got it fixed. We're, we're back and running. Everything's good to go. But for a moment there, like everything stopped and we were like, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be terrible. This is going to ruin the rest of our day. Had a nice Friday plan. Nope, not going to happen. It made us stop. And we all have these moments where everything stops in our life. And this is what God does for his people in Exodus chapter 16. So just kind of recap in case you missed it last week. What we see at the beginning of Exodus chapter 16 is, is the people, like I said, they've, they've left Egypt and they're, they're in the wilderness, and the Israelites are doing what they do best, which is complaining and whining about everything. So they're whining, you know, hey, we don't have enough food. We had better food in Egypt. We just go back to Egypt. This is, this is not what we thought it was. This is bad. And God's like, okay, fine, stop your whining here. I'm going to take care of you. All right, I got you. Stop whining. I got this. And he, he rains down miracle bread from heaven that we call manna. So every day, God magically makes this bread appear on the ground, and the Israelites are to gather bread, every single morning for the rest of the day. And here's the, the deal that God made with him. He said, I'm just, you got to know and trust that I'm going to provide for you, and you got to trust me in this. So here's what I want you to do. Only gather enough for one day. You gather enough for one day, you eat all of that on one day, and you just have to trust that the next morning I'm going to provide you with more. And God does this. But he tells his people, if you gather extra— just know the next morning it's going to rot, it's going to smell, worms are going to grow in it, it's going to be disgusting, you don't want be part of that. So that's what they're supposed to do. Every single day they go out, they gather enough for that day, and they eat bread that day, and they go out and gather more for the next day. So that's how they were operating. But then God makes a statement, and he changes that. Because what he tells his people next is that the sixth and the seventh day are going to be different. You're going to do something different on those days. And this is where we get to our passage today. So Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse 22. I'm going to read all of this, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time uh, breaking this down and hanging out. All right, so chapter 16, verse 22. If you have your Bibles, great. If not, verses will be on the screens behind me. It says this, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. So not just one amount. They gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Of course, because that's what God said. Imagine that. Verse 28, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, On the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain, each of you, in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so you may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt." Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna forty years till they came to a habitable land. They ate manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Omer is a tenth part of an ephah. Okay, so the first thing we see here, first big point, is the Sabbath sets us apart. Sabbath sets us apart. It's the first thing we see. God has told them every day you're going to go out and you're going to gather enough for that day, except on the sixth day. On the sixth day, you're going to gather twice as much because the seventh day, you're not going to gather at all. So God changes everything around. The sixth and the seventh day are set apart. They are different. They are special than every other day. They're supposed to gather twice as much on the sixth, so they're going to have enough for the seventh, so they don't have to go out on the seventh. Why does he do this? Why does God do this? God does this because He wants His people to rest on the seventh day. He wants His people to rest and have a Sabbath. It says that, that the day is supposed to be a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath. Now, I want you to get like, this is a really big deal. Like, I think, especially those of us, like, if you're like me, you grew up in church, you've heard Sabbath thrown around all the time, you've heard the story of the Exodus, you've heard the Ten Commandments, like, all these things. Sabbath, like, oh, it's just another one of those words. No, this is like a really big deal. This is an extremely important moment in the history of God's people. This is the very first time that word Sabbath is used in Scripture. It's the first time. It's a big deal. God is changing the way His people live and work. He's changing the way they orient their time and their schedules. This is a big deal. The seventh day is now a day of rest. It's a day of Sabbath. God is calling His people to practice the Sabbath. He even makes it a special moment by, by calling the day holy. That word holy literally means to be set apart, to be different, to be other than. And the seventh day is unique. It's different. It's special. It's set apart. It's holy. Like I said a couple minutes ago, God doesn't just like suggest his people do this and like, hey, you know, it'd, it'd be a good idea if you stay inside on the seventh. Like, hey, here's, you know, here's just a thought. Maybe rest on the seventh day you know, just, just throwing it out there, take it for what it is. He doesn't just, like, give them a suggestion. He pretty much forces them to do this by not giving any manna on the seventh day. You know, as, as we saw, like, the people were told, hey, there's not going to be anything, so don't go out there. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to go out there on the seventh day. And he's like, wait, what? No, I just, I just told you. So he's, he's forcing his people to practice the Sabbath. You can go out, but you're not going to work because there's nothing to work for. There's nothing to gather. So rest. Have a Sabbath. It's a big deal. It's extremely important for us. And here's how we know why it's so important. There's two things that we see in this little bit of the passage that show us how important a Sabbath is for us as people, as human beings, not just as Christians, for those of us that aren't here, but for all human beings. This is important. There's two ways that God shows the importance of Sabbath. One, God shows us that we're created for the Sabbath. We are created for Sabbath as humans, As people, we are created for the Sabbath. And here's how we know this that word Sabbath, it's the first time that we see it used in this passage, but the idea of resting on the seventh day is not the first time we see this in Scripture. Anybody else know where we see that? This is participation. You can shout it out. Yeah, the Genesis, the creation story. So if you go to the creation story, Genesis 1 and 2, you see that God created for six days, created everything in the world, everything, ending. On the sixth day with creation of human beings, the pinnacle of his creation, people made in the image of God, unique from all else of creation. And then what does God do on the seventh day? He rested. Look at Genesis chapter two, verses one through three. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, why does God rest? Does God rest because he's tired, because he's worn out and needed a break? He's like, man, I just created the entire world in six days. I thought it was going to take 10, but I did some extra work on the front end, got it done in six, and now I can chill. Like, no, God's not tired, y'all. Like, that's not, God does not get tired. He's not doing this because he's exhausted and just kind of giving us an FYI, here's what I do. He's doing, it's part of the creation story. On the seventh day, he's not done creating. He creates the Sabbath. He creates the Sabbath for us, his people. We are created for the Sabbath. He's showing us that having rest, having a day out of, out of seven, that we just rest and delight in God's creation, that's how we were made to function. That's how we were made to function. See, too often I think, uh, and I'm certainly guilty of this. Like, too often we associate the Sabbath with just you know the Mosaic Law. Like, it's part of the Ten Commandments. It's number four out of the ten: keep the Sabbath holy. So we think, okay, well, the Sabbath is part of God's law, and then we can do some you know understanding of Scripture and interpretation and all that, and be like, well, if we bring in the New Covenant and the New Testament, like Jesus fulfills the law, I don't have to obey the law. Sabbath is part of the law, so I don't have to obey it. So Travis, that's nice that you're talking about it, but I don't have to obey it. I like I don't I don't know what you do with this because Exodus 16 comes before the law. That's Exodus 20, so we have four more chapters to go. This is before the law. It's before the law. We we don't have a Sabbath because we're commanded to. That's not why we practice the Sabbath. We practice the Sabbath because that's how we're created. It's not a command. It's part of how God made us. And if we, as humans, are going to function in the way that God designed, we are to practice the Sabbath. Now look, we're trying to think of a way to illustrate this because I think we're all aware of this truth that there are certain things out there in the world that are supposed to function a certain way that like, you know, you have a goal or a task that you're supposed to accomplish and when it doesn't happen the way it's supposed to, like things are like, this is just wrong, like this, something happened and this is bad, like this is not how things are supposed to be. So I found some pictures online that I think illustrate when we don't have a Sabbath, I think this is the way that God sees us, just to be honest with you. So, I got some pictures that I found of just things that did not work out the way they were supposed to. So, first one, okay, that, that's not Asia. I'm, you know, it's been a long time since I've been in school, but like, I'm pretty sure geography taught me that that's not correct. That's not how it's supposed to go. Like there, there was a mix up, whether it was like a file got put in the wrong place or somebody like just wasn't paying attention, just stamping the wrong shirts. Like something happened. That is not how it was supposed to work. All right, next one. Okay. Now see, I sympathize with this because I'm terrible at spelling, but I know that stop is not spelled S O T P. I'm not sure what a sot is, but I don't, I don't know what you do there. Hopefully you're looking at the red sign and not the ground, but like, come on, bro. Like you got to, you got, the spelling is right there on the red sign. You can't just copy that. Like, come on. All right, next one. Okay, see, like, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not sure what that's going to do. Like, you put a gate to, to stop, right? Like, maybe if it's a guy on a scooter hugging the curb and he's not looking, maybe that would work. Maybe they just got a bunch of scooters coming in there and wrecking their parking lot. I don't know but I don't think that's going to work. I'm pretty sure they could just drive around it. Like that's, that's, not, how it's, that's not how a gate is supposed to work, right? Like, so I think when we go against our design, which is what happens when we don't practice Sabbath and we don't have a Sabbath, we're going against the design of how God made us, how our creator created us to be. I think he sees us as a gate that's not actually a gate. Just saying. He's like, that's, that's not how I made you. That's not how I created you. I created you for Sabbath. You are to rest on the Sabbath. You are to have a consistent practice of Sabbath. We are not made to go nonstop. We're not made to keep going and going and going without any rest. That is not how God designed us. When he created us, he made us unique in so many ways. Being made in the image of God, this is part of being made in the image of God. We have a Sabbath. We have a consistent practice of rest. The other way that the Sabbath is, is shown to be important is that it sets us apart as God's people. Not only are all human beings created to have a Sabbath, but we as the people of God are to practice the Sabbath. And this sets us apart from the rest of the world around us. See, again, I, I don't want us to, like, I think too often, especially, again, those of us that grew up in church and have heard this, like, we just hear things in the Bible, and like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. Like, you have to understand how unique of a thing that just happened. Like, this is, a, this is such a big deal. You have to remember where the Israelites were. For hundreds and hundreds of years, generation after generation after generation, they have been slaves in Egypt. And from what we can tell, the Hebrew slaves did not have a vacation policy. They didn't have a weekend. They were working every single day. They weren't in charge of their own schedules. Pharaoh was. And Pharaoh wasn't about to give his slaves a day off. The Israelites were working every single day. Now God has brought them out of Egypt. And one of the things he changes about them is now you're going to stop. I know you've been working nonstop for years and years and years. But now, as my people, you're going to stop. You're going to stop and you're going to rest. This would have been a foreign concept to them. This would have been incredible news for them to hear. We, we get a day off. This is an incredibly important moment in the history of Israel. God is setting apart his people by the way they organize their schedules, by the way they spend their time, by the way they work. He's setting them apart. They are to honor God in all areas, including the way they work, by practicing the Sabbath. Sabbath. The Sabbath wouldn't have just gone against cultural standards of the Israelites' day. It goes against our cultural standards as as people that, that find ourselves in a Western American culture. This idea of regular Sabbath and resting can be a foreign concept. I mean, we live in such a fast-paced society. We live in such a culture that says if you want to achieve all of your hopes and dreams and get you know the best things ever, the American dream. If you want to get there, you just got to work hard. just got to work harder than everybody else, and you'll get everything that you want. So we're taught from an early age by our culture, if you don't have something, it's because you didn't work hard enough. So if you want something, you just have to keep working hard. And yeah, it's important to have a good work ethic, but what's happened to us is we now live in a performance-driven society. live in a performance-driven society where we're working overtime without pay is totally normal where uh, it's expected for you to put in time on the weekends, where it's rewarded when you open up your email and work while you're supposed to be on vacation. The last place I worked, and it was a Christian organization. I'm not going to throw the name out there, but it was a Christian organization. And every single time somebody was on their vacation and they responded to an email, which was not an emergency, by the way, and not something that couldn't be handled by somebody else, they were praised in the following staff meeting. And I was like, y'all are crazy. If you call me while I'm on vacation, I'm not answering. Okay, good luck with that. Have fun, because I'm not coming in. I don't care if we get rewarded and everybody says how awesome you are. I don't need that in my life. But that's the society that we live in. And even in a Christian workplace where it's supposed to be different, it's not. Too often we have allowed ourselves to be defined by our performance, to be defined by our doing." Too often we, we seek the highest thing, which would, is praise from somebody else, praise from our boss for a, go, a, a job well done. That, that's, that's our highest motivation. It doesn't matter how unhealthy we are. It doesn't matter if our family likes us anymore. It doesn't matter the sacrifices to relationships that we've made along the way. That doesn't matter. What matters is I got the promotion. What matters is I got singled out in front of all my other coworkers of being better than them. That's what matters. I got the pat on the back. So we work. We work all the time and we don't allow ourselves to stop. We become defined by our work. This goes completely against what God wants for us. For those of you that are believers in the room, God wants you to be set apart from the world around you. He doesn't want you to follow the ways of the culture. And what God tells us is we're not defined by our worldly success. We're not defined by our doing. We're not defined by what our boss tells us. We're not defined by what, what job grade we get on our next performance review. We're not defined by those things. We're defined by the God who loves us despite our sin, sent his son to die for us on the cross and rescues us. That's what we're defined by. We're defined by being a child of the God of this universe who loves and approves us because of Jesus. That's what we're defined by. See, God tells us that if we live for this world, if we pursue the things of this world, if we give our everything to the things of this world, we might just gain it all. We might gain the world. We might gain everything that our hearts desire. But in doing so, we're going to lose our souls. We might get everything. But in the end, we've gained nothing. For the believers in the room, we are to follow God's ways, not the ways of this world. We are not to chase after, be defined by our culture. We're not to bow to the demands of our culture. We're not to give everything to our selfish ambition in life. We're to seek first His kingdom and trust and believe that He will give us all the things that we need. We are made for the Sabbath that sets us apart as God's people. And it's through practicing the Sabbath that we tell the rest of the world we're not in Egypt anymore. We're not in Egypt anymore. We're not living for our work. We're living for the God of this universe. We're living for Jesus. All right, so the Sabbath sets us apart. The second thing we see is the Sabbath is a gift. The Sabbath is a gift from God. Look again at verses 27 through 30. Sabbath is a gift. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So God tells his people, don't go out on the Sabbath. There's not going to be anything to gather. Don't do it. And yet some people do it. It's like, he just told you there wasn't going to be anything. What are you doing? What'd you expect to find? He said nothing, and here you are. And God's frustrated, he's mad. And it's not just because God's mad like, hey, I told you to do something and you didn't do it. He's mad because I was like, I've given you this incredible gift of a day off and you're rejecting it. You're throwing it in my face because you'd rather work, you'd rather go out and gather, you'd rather go out and not listen to this beautiful, good, awesome gift that I've given you. The Sabbath is a gift. And yet the Israelites reject it. And, like, we do this all the time in life, right? Like, we, we, we have something good that God wants to give us and bless us with, and we reject that for having something that's lesser. We do this all the time. I mean, I see this with my kids a lot. I see this with myself, too. But, like, uh, you know, now they don't do this. They're getting older, so I, I, I miss these days now. But, like, you know, Christmas time rolled around when they were, like, one, one and a half, two You'd wrap up the gift and, and give it to them. I never understand wrapping paper. I mean it's just gonna get thrown away. But anyways, that's just me. I'm weird. Um, but anyway, like the kids would open the gift and they'd unwrap it, and like you spent money on this gift and you wrapped it up to make it look all pretty, and like they're totally cool playing with the wrapping paper or the tissue paper. And you're like, that's trash. That's garbage. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in the trash can and I spent money on this, and you'd rather have the trash than the toy. What are you doing? That's craziness. Like I said, they don't do that anymore, they're getting older. So now when we go through stores, they're like, I want that for my birthday, I want that for my birthday, I want that for my paper. I'm like, no, you're not getting any of it. Nothing for you, okay? Stop it, you little materialistic crazy person. No. Another way, like, it's just I don't understand what they're doing, but like if, if we're gonna pick up fast food, which you have to do from time to time, like Kinder and I, our first option because we love Jesus is Chick-fil-A, right? Like it's chicken blessed by the Lord. That's a that's a no-brainer. Like, I don't, there's no, there's no debate here. There's nothing we even need to talk about. That's the decision. And like, we don't give our kids options because like, this is what they'll do. If we give them an option, they're going to choose McDonald's over Chick-fil-A every single time. And every time I'm like, y'all are crazy. Who raised you? What is the matter with you? That's insanity. That's crazy. You have, st- I don't even know what it is. It's not real food. And then you have chicken, blessed by the Lord. And you're going you're gonna to take this junk over here and, and not This? It doesn't make any sense. The Lord in His sovereignty knew that, that we would have this issue because He placed us in an area where there's a Chick fil A and a McDonald's right next to each other. So, you know what? Two birds, one stone. Kinder and I drive through Chick fil A, get our dinner, and then we'll head over to McDonald's for the kids and be like, fine, y'all want that? Good luck for the rest of your lives. That's a bad decision, and you're just going to have to reap what you sow. Um, another way, like we, uh, you know, I just want to, for a moment, let me just talk to the, the sports fans in here. Like, I just want you to know, as, as Atlanta based people, there are other teams out there that actually win championships than Georgia and Georgia-based teams. So I just want you to know, like, there's, there's better options that you could be rooting for. I'm just saying. I'm, you don't know, just take that for what it is. Like, you know, maybe don't do this to yourself anymore. There's, there's greater things out there. Just throwing that out there. Just take it for what it is. Y'all are going to be mad. I'm going to get some emails about that one. But, uh, you know, it's true. Y'all know it. But how often do we reject the good things from God for lesser things? We do this all the time all the time. God wants to give us good gifts. And we're like, no, I want this over here. I'd rather this thing over here. And God's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why would you do that? You're rejecting such a good and perfect, beautiful gift from the Lord. The Sabbath is a good gift from God. And we, just like the Israelites, are to have a regular Sabbath today. So how do we do that? What does that look like? I want to give you four uh, kind of high-level principles for practicing the Sabbath today. I totally stole these from Pete Cesaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. If you don't own it, get it, read it. It's awesome. Wonderful book. Love it. So he gives four principles for practicing the Sabbath. I want to kind of go through and then give you some practical thoughts after that. First one, um, practicing the Sabbath is to stop. The first principle is to stop. To practice the Sabbath, you actually have to stop working. You have to stop. That's the first step. You have to stop. You have to stop working. And look, here's the key. All right. And type A people hang with me. I know I'm going to totally wreck your mind right now and you're going to want to just not tune me out the rest of the time. I, hang with me for just one second. Here's the key to stopping. Whether your to-do list is done or not, you have to stop. You have to stop. And I know some of you are like, no, that, no I, that, I wrote that down, so I have to do it. You don't understand, Travis. I have to, I wrote it down, so I have to do it. No, I I understand. I get it. You still have to stop. Just stop because that to-do list is only going to keep getting longer. Like we don't just run out of stuff to do. Okay. Like that's not how life works. There's always something else to do at your job. There's once you finish one project, there's another project to start, right? Like that. I'm not the only one that has that problem. Like when you finish a job, there's something else to do. There's always something else to do. Your boss is always going to find something else for you to do. It's not, I've never had this experience where I'm like, hey, boss, look at everything that I've done. You know, I've worked so hard this year and they're like, oh, well, that's great. I don't actually have anything else for you. So why don't you take the next month off? I don't know about y'all, but I've never had that happen. And if you're like a boss in here, like, you know, there's billions of things in your mind like that have to get done all the time. Like you get it. I mean, there's, there's always something new. There's always another phone call. There's always another email to respond to. There's always another email to send. There's always another meeting that can be scheduled. There's always another person to be followed up with. The list does not stop, but we're supposed to stop. We have to stop. And look, the, the truth is, and, and nobody's told you this, and I'm, I'm sorry to, to break your heart a little bit, but like, you're not irreplaceable. We're not, none of us are. We could lose our jobs at any moment. We could be replaced at any moment. We could step away on our own choosing at any moment, and that void that we left is going to be filled by the next person in line. And the world's going to continue to spin. The world's going to continue to move. Things are going to continue to progress and move forward. We are not irreplaceable. But we work like we are. We are made to stop to stop from our work, to stop from the toil and the struggle of work. This is a gift from the Lord. This is in his grace that he gives us this. And look, here, here's the deal. Like I, as Some of you are like, Travis, I get it, but I don't need to stop. I don't need to stop. I can keep going. I got this. No, you don't. That's a lie that you've bought into, and eventually it's going to wreck you. It's going to wreck your family, probably both at some point we have to stop to practice the sabbath we have to stop and look here's the like let's bring it home like stopping shows that we actually trust god stopping is a spiritual issue like if you have struggle stopping you need to search your heart because there's probably an idol of control or performance lurking there that needs to be killed off stopping shows that we trust god that we realize that we're not the ones in control. Like we keep working because we think, man, if I don't do this, it's not gonna get done and everything's gonna fall apart. Probably not true. But we wanna be in control. We wanna have our hands in every little thing. So we keep working. Or we have this idol of performance. Like if, if, if I stop, well, well, my coworker, they're not gonna stop and then they're gonna get the promotion over me. They're gonna get praised over me. So we keep working. And we keep working, we keep going and keep going, and we don't stop. Meanwhile, we're not living for God anymore, we're living for ourselves, we're living for our own selfish desires and selfish ambition. Stopping shows that we trust God, that we believe that He's actually on His throne at all times, that He's actually the one who's in control because He is. And He's the one that provides, He's the one that gave you that job to begin with. And if He wants you to have the promotion, He's going to lead you to that. And if not, then that's not his will for you. That's not what's supposed to happen. We can trust in his plan and his goodness in our lives. So stop, stop working, put the phone down, close the computer, turn the email off. Like technology is awesome and connect us all the time. But the good thing about technology is it can be turned off. It can't, trust me. Like if you don't know how to turn it off on your phone, like come find me, I'll I'll show you how to do that. We can turn it off. You can close the computer down. We don't have to keep going. We choose to keep going. So stop. All right, second thing rest. So we have to stop. Second thing rest. Now that we've stopped our work, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to rest. This is the major thing that God has shown his people. Like he wants them to rest. On the seventh day, you rest. You stop from work and you rest. You rest. Now, rest looks different from person to person, but like I said, this is what God had in mind when he created the Sabbath. God told his people on the seventh day, you need to stay inside and rest. Now, he told them to stay inside because their work involved going out and gathering. So that was the work that they had. They went out and they gathered. Our work maybe looks different than that. So when you're supposed to be resting, maybe you stay inside, maybe you go outside. I don't know. You, resting means that, that you do something that actually brings rest to your life brings refreshment to your life. doesn't mean you can't leave your house. It means that you rest from whatever work you have. You don't do that work on that day. On the Sabbath day, you don't do your work, whatever that looks like. And like I said, it's different from person to person, but we rest. So maybe that is staying inside. Maybe it's going outside. Maybe it's doing something fun as a family. I don't know. If if your Sabbath is on a Sunday, I hope that part of your Sabbath is coming here as the people of God to worship and celebrate and and be in relationship with one another. Like, it's a beautiful way to celebrate the Sabbath. I hope that's part of it. I mean, just think, what brings you joy? What brings rest to your soul? If it's yard work and house projects, like some of y'all love that stuff. I don't. But if you do, do it on the Sabbath. If not, save it for another day. There's other days in the week that you can do stuff like that. The Sabbath is about rest, so we rest. We're not working, we're resting from our work. And again, look, if rest is hard for me, like, like if stopping and resting are, are difficult for you, I want to encourage you, search your heart. Look for whatever idol might be there that is drawing you back into your work. Why do you feel like you have to keep working? Why do you feel like you can't rest, you can't put work aside? It's probably not the lie that we've told ourselves, which is why well, I have to. This is a really big deal. This is an emergency. It might be. Probably not, though. It's probably something else. We need to ask ourselves these hard questions. So we rest. We stop, we rest, we do something that brings enjoyment. That brings us to the, the third principle of the Sabbath, which is delight. Delight. While we're resting, while we're stopping, it should be fun. Like we should do things that bring joy to our hearts. Like we should do things that celebrate and recognize God's blessing in our lives. This is a big purpose of the Sabbath to stop and rest and just enjoy the blessings in God's, that, that God has brought us. Enjoy the blessings of his creation. Enjoy the, enjoy the blessings of your family. Stop and worship and celebrate God. Take this opportunity as living in a fast-paced culture to actually slow down. You don't have to chug your coffee while you're dodging traffic on 285 that day. Or you don't have to scarf your breakfast down in the car. Like you can actually sit there and enjoy your time. Slow down, enjoy the little things. Go out for a nice stroll, walk, do something fun, do something relaxing. Like this is what the Sabbath is meant for. It's to delight in the blessings that God has given us. So we delight. The fourth principle of the Sabbath, practicing the Sabbath today, is to contemplate. So we stop, we rest, we delight in God's many blessings and we contemplate. The Sabbath is an opportunity for us to spend some extra time with the Lord. It's a time for us to recognize God's control and provision in our lives, that we're not the ones that provide, that we're not the ones in control, that God is the one that is. So we stop and we rest and we reflect God's goodness in our lives. Stopping shows that we actually believe that to be true. So we stop and we rest. Like I said, it's also a day that we can contemplate our relationship with the Lord and spend more focused time with Him because we have the time. Hopefully we've made the time. It's probably a more accurate way to put it. We make the time to spend extra time with the Lord on that day. Uh, Psalm 46, I love Psalm 46, and the first part of it says this, such good, rich theological truth. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So that's the theological truth, that, that no matter what's happening in our world, that our world can be in utter chaos. And sometimes it is, right? Like, family, job, whatever's going on, like our world can feel like it's just in utter chaos. What's the truth? In those moments of chaos and confusion, it's that God is in control, that God is our present help, that God is over all things, that that we don't have to fear because we can look and trust in God. That's the theological truth. Now, how does that happen? How does that play out in our lives? Look down at verse 10 of Psalm 46. It says this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So how do we live out the theological truth of Psalm 46, 1 through 3? We be still, and we know that God is in control. We're still. That word still means to stop, to cease, to relax. So no matter what's going on in our world, no matter what chaos is happening at work or in our home, we have a day where we're still, where we stop, where we cease, where we relax and we know that God is in control. So spend time with the Lord on your Sabbath. Carve out extra space for Him. Stopping on the Sabbath gives us the opportunity to spend focused time with the Lord. A few other just real practical thoughts about the Sabbath. I would say make it a full 24 hours. So the, the, the heart behind what the Lord is doing is its seventh day. It's a full day. So make it a 24 hours. Like we're going to cut corners. and be like, well, you know, I've rested enough. It's, you know, it's, it's evening. I can, I can open up my email. I'm, I'm good. I can do this and then look away. No, you can't. Stop. Don't do that. Make it a full 24 hours. Full 24 hours of rest. I would also say protect it. Make it holy. That's the idea of making that day holy. You make it sacred. You make it different than everything else. So as you're creating your schedule for that week, as you're building out your time, start with when you're going to have your Sabbath. Start with that 24 hours. You protect it, and then you build out everything else around that. This is how we have to do it. The thing I would say is stay flexible. So again, those of you type A, you want to schedule everything out to a T, you want to have to-do lists even on your Sabbath, like just, again, just, just, just relax, okay? I promise you, Going with the flow, it's awesome. All right, just do it for that one day. Just try it. Let me know how it goes. If you're struggling, just, you know, come talk to me. I got you, all right? I can teach you how to chill. All right, it's all good. I can chill with the best of them, okay? All right, so just relax, okay? Keep flexible. Don't just do everything. Like, you gotta have it all scheduled out. No, just, it's a day to relax. It's a day to be still. And the other thing I would say is beware of the legalism trap. Like we're so prone to legalism and be like, well, I can't believe you did that on the Sabbath. Like I do this, you should do it too. Like, no, it, the Lord actually gives us a lot of freedom in how we practice the Sabbath. Like if you study the Sabbath and its usage in, in scripture, we're not given this play-by-play breakdown of everything that we're supposed to do that day. God gives us a lot of freedom. Enjoy that freedom. That's why he gives it to us. It might look different from person to person and that's okay. Other thing I, I would say a word to uh, to stay-at-home moms Uh, parents, really, moms and dads, like, we don't get a break from parenting that day. So just like, don't be like, hey, Travis said I got a rest kid. So shut your door, lock it, and don't come out till evening. Like, no, that's not how it works. We don't get a day off from parenting. Trust me, I I wish, right? No, I'm just kidding. I love my kids. Um, I do, y'all. I do. Um, But a word for for stay-at-home moms who often carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. I know that a lot of what you do, especially for my wife as a stay-at-home mom, uh, you manage a lot of the things in the household. Here's what I would say on your Sabbath. Those things can wait those things can be pushed off. Laundry doesn't have a timeline on it, all right? You can ruffle through the basket and find something, okay? Like, figure out something else for dinner, like do leftovers or or make something extra the days leading up to it if you're the one that does all the cooking. Like, for me and my family, like, I, I do the cooking on the weekends. Part of it is because I actually enjoy that. That brings me joy in my life, and it's like a Kendra hates it, so like, you know, I, I do that for her on the weekends. I'm not able, I wish I could do it every day, but I just can't with my schedule, so that's one of the things that I do. But those things that, around the house, those can wait. Pay bills on another day. Do those things on another day. The Sabbath is not for that. The Sabbath is not for household chores. The Sabbath is to rest, so rest. All right, the third thing, and we'll, we'll land the plane here, Sabbath is a reminder. Let's look at the last few verses of, of Exodus 16. Starting in verse 31, it says, Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generation, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness, when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna, in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna for 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is a tenth part of an ephah. The Sabbath is a reminder. This practice uh, of the manna being sent and gathered and the Sabbath being practiced, these are reminders for God's people to remember his goodness and his provision. We have an opportunity to remember the goodness of God. I think it's interesting that Moses describes the taste of the man. It says it was like a wafer that tasted like honey. Now, honey, like, you know, we can go to the store and buy it anytime we want, but honey was not that accessible at this time. Honey was a delicacy for people at this time. So God, I mean, like, gosh, he's just too good to us, right? Like, he didn't have to make it taste so good. He didn't have to make it come across as a delicacy. He didn't have to do that. The people were hungry. They just needed something to put in their bellies for sustenance. Like, he could have just made it taste like nothing, and it would have been good enough, right? God doesn't do things good enough, man. He, he goes over and beyond and treats us far better than we deserve. He makes miracle bread raining down from heaven taste like a delicacy. That's how good God is to us. He's good. It also points to his provision, because God says he provided manna every single day during their time in the wilderness, and that, that's looking forward to what's going to happen. If you know the stories as you get into Numbers, you know that the Israelites wander in the desert for 40 more years than they should have. And it's because of their sin. And yet, what did God do? Even in their sin, He continued to provide. He continued to provide more than enough, an overabundance of what His people would need. That's our God. He is good, and He is our provider. He always provides plenty. He always provides enough for what we need. He provides enough for us to stop gathering one day a week. And this should tell us, church, this should tell us that our God can be trusted. Our God can be trusted for all things, that he can be trusted for what we need in life, that he can be trusted to give us everything that we need, that he can be trusted enough for us to stop one day a week. Sabbath is a reminder. And should also be a reminder that, that ultimately God's goodness and provision is shown by Him taking care of us, uh, of our greatest need. Our greatest need, and that is our sin. So every single one of us in here, myself included, we are sinners. We're sinners by action. We constantly sin against God. God says, don't do this, and we constantly do that very thing. We sin by our actions. We are also sinful in our nature. The core of our being is a sinful one. We are sinners, and there's nothing that we could do to erase that. There's no amount of work. There's no amount of striving. There's no amount of of eventually my good deeds are going to outweigh my bad deeds. Eventually, I'm going to be good enough for God to take me, and it might be a close call, but eventually I'm going to get there. No, that's not how it works. There's no amount of work that we could ever do to make ourselves right with God. And because of that, because not only are we sinful in our nature and we sin by action and there's nothing we could do to, to provide forgiveness for our own sins, what that means is that you and I deserve hell forever. That's what we deserve. God is just in punishing sin. We deserve that. And yet, and yet God in his goodness provides salvation. This doesn't come through us. It comes through God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, God's Son, leaving the perfection and the glories of heaven behind. He leaves that behind. He comes to earth and, unlike us, lives a perfect life, the life that you and I never could live, And at the end of his life, he he goes on the cross, willingly going on the cross to die our place. On the cross, he takes on all of our sin. He takes on all of our punishment, all of the wrath that our sins deserve. He takes on all of that, dying the death that you and I deserve. So that through faith in him, we would have forgiveness. That we would be made right with God. No more working, no more striving. We could have salvation through faith in Jesus. See, through Christ we have the ultimate rest. Now, through the salvation and the forgiveness of our sins, and later, through the glory and the promise of eternal life with Jesus and complete perfection. This is why the authors of Hebrews four, the author of Hebrews four, writes this in verses nine and eleven says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Forever entered God's rest has also entered, has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Believers in the room, we can look forward to that day. We can look forward to the coming rest that is only promised through faith in Jesus, that one day, We're going to be in complete perfection, free of any more working, free from any more toil in our work, free from any more striving to do things that we could never do on our own. We will be free of that, be free of sin, be free of any pain, any suffering, and we get to spend eternity in complete perfection with Jesus. So let us strive for that day. Let us live for Jesus in the here and the now as we look forward to that coming rest. For those that are here that that don't know Jesus, Hebrews 4 has a word for you as well. The author writes this, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, the word has gone out. The gospel has been presented. Do not harden your hearts. It's time to stop working. It's time to stop striving. It's time to stop trying to earn salvation on your own. You can't do it. It's time to enter that rest. Today is the day of salvation. Put your faith in Jesus. Tell him, I trust in you. I'm not living for this world anymore. I'm not living for myself anymore. Jesus, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to trust in you. Put your faith in Jesus and rest in his goodness and grace. In a moment, we're going to pray. Believers in the room, we're going to have an opportunity to worship our Lord and Savior, by the practice of communion. So we have tables on either side and one in the back. And this is a moment for us to reflect and remember on the salvation that God has given us from the rest that he alone can provide. So we take the bread that represents his broken body on the cross. We dip it in the cup that represents his shed blood for our sins. And we worship our Savior. For those of you that aren't believers, this time is not for you. I want to encourage you again, don't harden your hearts. Let today be the day of salvation. If you need to talk to somebody, we have our prayer team in the back. They would love to chat with you about this. If maybe you're just going through a time of chaos, and you're having a hard time resting, you're having a hard time being still. Maybe this is just a struggle for you, and you need somebody to pray for you. Our, our team in the back would love to do that. So please go to them, and go to the tables, and let's worship together. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you for Your goodness, your grace, and your mercy in our lives, Lord. You are far, far too good to us. Jesus, I thank you for this moment that we have today where we can rest, where we can be here as your people and rest in the salvation that you've provided for us. Lord, I pray for us going forward that God, we make it an important part of our, our daily routine, our weekly routine, our, our habit, Lord, to stop and Sabbath, to stop and rest, to stop and remember all the blessings that you've given us, to stop and remember your salvation, to stop and remember that we don't have to work, that we're not defined by our doing, Lord, we're defined by you. So Jesus, I pray for each one of us, give us the strength to obey, give us the strength to follow you and honor you, Lord, give us a conviction to rest and to Sabbath. Lord, we thank you for this good gift. We thank you for the many things that you do for us. Lord, you are so good, Lord. We love you. We thank you, and it's your name we pray. Amen.